mercy. Oh, wow. A John Denver song, my goodness. <laughs> I was like, if he's going to sing Rocky Mountain High, oh, God, help me. God, help me. Not just <laughs> you know, this morning, what a presence of God in this place. You know, I've been kind of watching um, the Facebook feed about what's going on down in this revival down here with the youth, and it's incredible, isn't it? It's incredible. You know, it's really returning us to the simplicity of the gospel, which is to seek him, to seek him, and, you know, just to worship him, just simple, no lights, no gimmicks, nothing, just Jesus, amen, just him, just him. Well, this morning, um, if you'll turn to your Bible, we're going to, I'm going to read a scripture to you out of, actually, a passage of scripture to you out of Mark 3. I should have it on the screen for you. Your page is turning. It says that another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. And some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked him, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at, the, at their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your presence, God. We don't want to go without it. <laughs> I need your presence. The people need your presence, God. And Lord, we need your word because your word is truth and it is life. Let your word do the work as only it can. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this passage of Scripture, we see kind of two things going on here. You know, Jesus kind of had a ministry of comfort and confrontation, didn't he? <laughs> he would bring comfort to people. He would heal people. He had compassion on them. But he also was not afraid and did not hesitate to confront people where they were. You know, the, the chapter preceding Mark 3 is Mark 2. And in that chapter, we see already that he's already had some confrontations with the religious leaders of that time. And it's just progressively escalating. You know, the first part of Mark 2 is where they, they lowered the man down through the ceiling, the paralytic man. And he healed him. But first he said, son, your, your sins are forgiven. They got all tore up about that, all messed up about that. Who is this man? Only God can forgive sins. Then in that same very chapter... That's when he called Levi or Matthew, which was, he was a tax collector. And, you know, we're in tax season now. <laughs> so even in that day, it was a bad thing. He was not considered, you know, a good person. And he called him, and then he was eating with the tax collectors and the sinners. And the Pharisees went over to the disciples and says, what are you doing eating with these people? So already, he says, I came to save the sick, the lost, you know. That's who I came for. So he's already had a confrontation there. Then at the end of that chapter, they're going through um, a, a wheat field. And the disciples start to pluck the grains of wheat off. 
And the Pharisees, this time, they got some nerve. You know, in the beginning, they kind of thought it in their heart, and Jesus perceived it. Then they asked the disciples, but this time they actually confronted him, and they said, look, why are your disciples doing what's illegal? It's unlawful to do any work on the Sabbath. And Jesus said something really interesting. He said, the Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. Did you hear that? Man was not made for the Sabbath. So already here, we're in a confrontation, and it's, it's circling around the Sabbath, about the Sabbath. Well, you know, the sad thing about the Sabbath was that it was intended as a gift from God. It was intended to be a day of rest, a day to focus on, on, on just God alone, a day to be refreshed and restored. That's what we need today is restoration in a lot of areas. We're such a busy nation. We don't get Sabbath. I, I'm terrible at it. I'm terrible at a confession of a workaholic right here. Um, but we don't get Sabbath. But the sad thing is, is that they had twisted it. And what they had twisted it with was what their idea of what they thought God expected, which is what religion really is. It's man's idea of what they think God expects. So they created all of these laws and all these regulations around something. And so, ironically, they're working really hard not to work on the Sabbath. Does anybody else find that funny? Except me? I mean, they're working really hard, really hard to not work on the Sabbath. So, you know, here we are. We're in this confrontation, and there's this man that comes into the, to the temple, to the synagogue. He has a withered hand. You know, Jesus had a ministry of comfort, so he fully intended to heal this man. <laughs> But it's much deeper than that. <laughs> he was there to confront a dysfunctional system. <laughs> a dysfunctional system that people had got a distorted view of faith. Did you hear that? He came to confront that. Hebrews 11 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What is faith? substance, things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, sometimes it's easier to describe something by saying what it's not instead of what it is. <laughs> and you know, faith is not a formality. It's not something that we have because we have to. <laughs> it's not a formality. Faith is not a feeling. It's not a mindset. <laughs> Faith is definitely not a formula because if you can figure it out, it's definitely not faith. <laughs> it's definitely not faith. I want to play a little bit of a game with you. I'm going to give you a word, and I want you to tell me the opposite, okay? This requires participation. <laughs> so, okay, here we go. Good. All right. Light. Faith. Doubt. Did I hear fear from somebody? Doubt, fear. Yeah. Wow. I heard this, this definition of faith, and it, it just wrecked me. <laughs> the true opposite of faith is certainty. <laughs> Let that just sink in for a second. The true opposite of faith is certainty. 
Certainty means that you've got it all figured out. Certainty means that you don't do anything that doesn't require God. I mean, that, requ- that requires God, that you can do it all by yourself. Certainty means that you don't stretch yourself into a territory that you don't know or that you're uncomfortable with. It's not a feeling. Faith is an action. It, is, it works. It's active. It's functional. So what's faith for? With faith, there's always an objective. There's all, if you're writing things down, that's the, my first point. <laughs> faith always has an objective, a primary focus, something that is to be accomplished, a desired outcome, right? In this, in this story, the Pharisees definitely had an objective. <laughs> they definitely had one. The text said that they, that they were there. Let me read it so I don't mess it up. They were looking <laughs> for a reason to accuse Jesus. They showed up with an objective. And you say, well, what's that got to do with faith? Their faith was in the system of the laws that guarded the Sabbath. That's where their faith was. So their objective when they came was to find him healing on the Sabbath so they could accuse him, right? God help us. If we become more interested in judging how God should do something rather than being part of what he is actually doing. God help us. Wow. You know what's really the, the irony about this story? I'm sorry, I get excited. But this is, the irony about this story is that here's this man with a withered hand who can't, who can't reach out. And he's in a synagogue or a church full of people who won't reach out. Did you hear me? He can't reach out, but they won't reach out. Jesus' objective this day was to heal the man's hand, to bring comfort. (laughs) He was there to confront the religious system. (laughs) He knew, he knew what their faith was in. (laughs) He knew their faith was in their laws and in their works. You know, he could have healed on any day, couldn't he? but he chose the Sabbath to teach them something. He's teaching them something here. He wants to show them what they're doing is not working. It's not working. So this morning, what did you come here? What was your objective this morning? What did you come here for? You don't have to say it out loud, but just think about that for a moment. So Jesus confronts their objective. He confronts it when he says, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill life? Notice they remain silent. (laughs) So he's not only confronting their objective, he's confronting the occasion. (laughs) That's my second point, occasion. You know, we should not need a special occasion to bless somebody or to heal somebody. We should not. But that is exactly what the Pharisees were saying. You can't heal on the Sabbath. No, 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 no. It's, it's not the day. It's not the time. No. It's not the right occasion here. You know, Jesus could have healed this man. He could have healed this man yesterday, tomorrow. But he chose the Sabbath 
he was trying to do a work deep, deep inside of them to get them to understand what they were putting their faith in. Not in a system, not in laws, not in their works, not in what they could do, but in what he, what he was going to do. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. That's powerful. <laughs> you know, essentially, the Pharisees had basically compartmentalized their faith. And don't we do that? Don't we do that? We kind of stick it in the box. We save it for Sunday. Where is it? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We get it back out on Sunday. We compartmentalize it. Some people, they compartmentalize it by saying, you know what? Um, my faith is a private matter. <laughs> it's a private matter. I don't, you know, I don't have to talk about that. Well, I'm sorry that faith is not a private matter. Faith affects everything in your life. It affects how you see and how you treat people. And whether you want to talk about it or not, faith is reflected in your life. It's reflected in your life. Some people, they compartmentalize their faith and they say, oh, I've been in church all my life. Raised in church. Raised in church. I heard Stephen Furtick say this. It's so powerful. Faith is not an heirloom. <laughs> it's not an heirloom. I was like, whoa, <laughs> wow. A lot of us are holding on to our heirloom, aren't we? We're holding on to it. Wow, wow. So it's not about an occasion. You know, if you think about it, everybody... Think about your house, those of you that have been married. You had, when you got married, did you register for China? You register for that stuff. You have some good China in a China cabinet somewhere. <laughs> do you ever use it? Do you ever use it? You do, Miss Fran over here using her China. <laughs> no, no, most people don't. <laughs> we don't. We can't put it in the microwave. The sparks fly off of it. You can't put it in the, you can't put it in the dishwasher. You know, it's just... Wow. When do we break it out? <laughs> when company comes on special occasions. Our faith should not be broke out on special occasions. We shouldn't just break it out on Easter and Christmas. <laughs> we should not just break it out at certain times. I want a faith that's a daily faith, a faith that works, a faith that functions, a faith that's applied. I don't want something that just has the appearance but that it is applied to my life. Amen? You know? Wow. So I want a faith also that's not held hostage to the outcome. I don't want a faith that's held hostage to the outcome. That's number three, which is outcome. You know, in Mark 3, there are two outcomes. The man's hand is healed. And at the end of that um, portion of text that I read you. It says the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Those are our outcomes. If your faith is dependent on an outcome, it's just a matter of time before you lose it. It's just a matter of time before you lose it. If your faith is dependent on, on some sort of outcome, you will eventually lose it. You know, when, um, when Josh was was serenading me, or I don't know what you'd call that, a soliloquy. Is that a word? Okay, there we go. <laughs> Is that it? Y'all are still, soliloquy. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Not when they stand in uh, Shakespeare and they kind of talk up there, yeah. So, or talk to themselves. I don't know which one it is, but okay. <laughs> but when Josh was reading that to me, the first thing that I thought about is that you've been through some hard times, through some trials, been through some things. Those of you that have been here for a while, I've been and visited, and um, you may know about my son, 
Judah, we tried for a lot of years um, to have him. He's kind of laid out in the seat over there. But we tried for a lot of years. We had a lot of infertility management, and we went through in vitro twice to have him. And um, the first cycle of in vitro that we went through, it failed. And I was so sure I was positive. My faith was just, we are going to be pregnant this time. Wow. We've got this far. God, you've brought us through years of this surgeries, countless shots and injections. Poor Walt, you know. But it, it just, hormones. Anybody got hormones? I got a big respect for hormones. And here we are, and then the, the cycle fails. We're not pregnant when the test comes back. And uh, we, we actually, I don't know if Bishop was in St. Louis then probably. It was before he came here. Walt called Bishop Matthews. And talk to him about it. And Bishop referred him to Daniel. And in Daniel, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they're thrown into the fiery furnace. It's Daniel 3 and 16. That verse, it says, If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But listen to this. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. That's not a faith that's dependent on an outcome. It says, but even if he does not deliver us, we're not going to bow down. We're not going to worship your image. Even if he doesn't. We know he can, but even if he doesn't. And that's the scripture that Bishop gave to Walt. He says, Walt was like, did, we, did I not have enough faith? You know, we talked about that. And, and he said, no. He says, a stronger faith when it doesn't work out like you thought it was going to. And you still trust him. You still believe in him. We went on to have the second in vitro cycle. And there's Judah. <laughs> he's, he's now seven years old. Hallelujah. Give God the glory. Children are definitely a gift from God. I saved all the bills from all that in vitro. I'm going to show him someday. It's about that thick. <laughs> it's about that thick. But he's worth it. Amen. He's worth it. So, you know, why would we praise God when it doesn't turn out like we want it to? When it's not what you hoped for. Bishop preached on hope rising for weeks and weeks. What, what if it doesn't happen like you hoped for? It's the substance of things hoped for. What, it does, what if it doesn't turn out that way. That's a functional faith. That's a faith that works. It's a faith that when your body isn't working, that you still believe. When the tests don't agree with the Word of God. (laughs) It's a faith that enables you to see opportunity for forgiveness when other only see offense. That's the kind of faith I'm talking about, a faith that works. It's a faith that changes my perspective because it, the word says we don't walk by, we, we don't walk by sight, right? We walk, it, hallelujah. It changes our perspective. That's why God said to Abraham all those years, waiting, 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 waiting for this promised child, waiting, waiting, waiting. Abraham, go out of your tent, look up, 
Look up at the stars in the sky. Stop looking at your pain. Stop looking at your problem. Start looking at the potential, the potential. Change your perspective. Get in a different position to change your, your, your perspective. Amen? Faith's not a frame of mind. It's a course of action that changes your perspective. And there is an order to faith. That's number five, order. Number four, number four is outlook. Number five is order. Jesus told this, the man with the withered hand to stand up. He said, stand up. And this man had been, I'm sure, no doubt, in, this, in the temple for many years. And he had this, this, this handicap, this, this withered hand. And like most of us, if we have something that we consider not so good, what do we do with it? We hide it. I don't have a pocket. <laughs> there it is. There it is. We put it in our pocket. We hide it, don't we? This man had to be willing to stand up in front of people who didn't understand, who, who may judge him. That man's hand was shriveled. But wow, what about the hearts of the people? His hand was a symptom of what we saw in that church, in that synagogue. His hand was shriveled, but their hearts, their hearts were shriveled. The symptom was reflective of a dysfunctional system. Jesus came to confront both of them. The symptom and the dysfunction of the system. Amen? So Jesus tells the man to stand up. What does he tell him to do? Stretch out your hand. Stand up. Stretch out. Stretch out your hand. Just by virtue that he had a withered hand, it means the other hand was good. <laughs> he didn't tell him to stick out the good hand. Right? He said, stretch out your hand. That man had a choice. He could have hid, <laughs> hid back the withered one and, yeah, you're going to give me something, you know. No. Today, you may have walked in here with a shriveled hand, <laughs> with something that you'd rather stick in your pocket, that you would rather not have out in the open, that you'd rather hide, that you can make it. It's there. It's a, it, it encumbers you, but you, you can still make it. You can still function. Jesus says, stretch out your hand. Stretch it out. Stretch it out. God, he wants to heal every part of your life. So many times, you know, all you have to do is get on Facebook. I don't know why I'm going on there, but I guess that somebody needs to hear it. Facebook's one of my pet peeves. I like it. It's a great tool. It helps me stay in contact with people I haven't seen in a long time and people that I don't live close to. Facebook is kind of messed up <laughs> because everybody photoshops and filters everything. Nothing on there is real, is it? I mean, you know, you, the pictures are all, you know, <laughs> and their houses, they always get the right angle. You know, you don't see the big pile of mess over here. They've got the kids, and they're all smiling on the couch, and they all, you know, we all look happy. We all look good, don't we? That's what we put out there for everybody else to see. But there's shriveled hands. 
There's shriveled hands that aren't put out there. And Jesus says, bring your shriveled hand. Stand up. Stretch it out. I want to heal every part of you. Every part of you. Notice how Jesus commanded him to do something that he couldn't do. He had a shriveled hand. He says, stretch it out. Stretch it out. Faith will command you to do something that you've never been able to do. Faith will command you to do what you are convinced that you're unable to do. Faith will stretch out the hand that you keep hidden in your pocket. Amen. I really get this because, uh, you know, leading worship, all that kind of stuff, it's, it's not my comfort zone, believe it or not. I've done it for a lot of years. I've been a nurse for 23 years. That's my comfort zone. Um, with this, I have to depend on God. I'm, you know, um, and I don't say this lightly, but, you know, I can't do it without him. <laughs> I've always known that. For those of you who may not know, I may have shared that with you, but um, Josh kind of alluded to it that Bishop got me started in praise and worship ministry, and um, I couldn't play anything. Um, I kind of sang in a group, and then I started singing. He asked me to start leading, but we used split tracks back in the day. We used kind of tracks and things like that, CD stuff, and... Um, this man right over here bought that keyboard in faith. <laughs> Couldn't play it. <laughs> he just brought it home, and he says, you're going to play this. <laughs> wow. So he's pushed me as well. And uh, one Sunday morning, we'd, we were still using tracks. I had that keyboard there. Um, I'd work altar a little bit with him and use it, but use it in doing some slow worship music, stuff like that. And he called me into the into his office right before service started, 10 minutes before service started. And he said, I don't want you to use any tracks today. I don't care how many songs you know. If it's one, if it's two, if it's three, great. You're going to play that keyboard and you're going to lead worship this morning. You want to talk about somebody? I ran in this little claws that we had. I was like, oh, I'm praying in, the, praying in the Holy Spirit, man. I knew. So I've known from the beginning that I couldn't do it without him. <laughs> I couldn't do it without him. I've made a multitude of musical sins, but thank God for the anointing. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. You know, it's significant that Jesus healed a man with a shriveled hand. You know, back in Mark 2, he'd healed the man that was lowered down through the ceiling, right? Was, everybody saw that man was paralyzed. Everybody saw it. He'd healed blind men that would yell, you Jesus. He'd turn, you know, turn around. They were definitely got noticed. But this man could slip in and out of church without being noticed with his shriveled hand. Some dysfunctions are easy to hide. You can get by with one hand. Nobody really knows except those that are close to you. You might be struggling with temper. Your family knows that. You might struggle with rejection. 
those that are closest to you probably know that, that you're hurt easily. You may have come in here this morning and had just crippling memories and thoughts that have shriveled up your emotions. <laughs> but Jesus is saying, you know, don't, don't show me the parts that are working because that's the parts we bring into the church. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> Praise God. How are you this morning? And inside, these shriveled parts of us that we won't, that we won't let Jesus, we won't stretch out so he can, he can restore them. You know why that is, right? We want God to restore something before we respond. We want him to restore it, then we'll respond. <laughs> but that's not the order of faith. It's my last point. There's an order to faith. God says that you respond. You stretch. You stand up. You stretch out your hand, and I'm going to restore you. I'm going to make you whole. When the man stretched out his hand, he was restored. It's when you reach out, when you make the effort, when you do what you thought you could not do. It's when you overcome fear, when you overcome the opinions of people, when you overcome every situation and you say, you know what? I'm stretching out this hand. I'm stretching out the part of you that's not working. I'm stretching out the part of you that's dysfunctional. And God, I trust you. I have faith. We sang about it this morning. Give me faith to trust what you say, that you're good. Your love, oh, hallelujah, is great. I'm broken inside. I give you my life. That requires a response. It requires a response. I give you my life, God. I give it all to you, the good, the bad, the ugly, the things that I wish I could just forget. I give it all to you. God doesn't want to partially heal you this morning. He wants to restore you. He wants to restore you. So many times we think that, you know, faith, restorative faith, takes some, this, this big, this big huge thing, right? It's this big, you know, lightning bolt, you know, something just, just incredible. And there are times that it's that way, but you know what? It's simple. Day to day to day, walking it out in faith. It's day after day. It helps you make it on Monday. It helps you get through the test on Tuesday. It helps you work it out on Wednesday. It helps you go through on Thursday. It helps you fight on Friday. It helps you stand on Saturday. That kind of faith. That's the kind of faith that functions. It's the kind of faith that if we stretch out, God will restore us. He will restore us. Amen. So this week, don't, you don't have to do anything crazy. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. <laughs> Some of you might be something crazy, but for most of you, it probably isn't. Do something that you've never done before.
take your shriveled hand and pick it up and call a family member, your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, and reconcile with them. Take your shriveled hand and call them. God will restore it. He'll restore it. For some of you, it just means set your clock, get up earlier than you normally do, and get in his word. Make time each day and spend time in his word. It will change you. It will change you. His word, he is his word. He says that he installs his word over his name. (laughs) Get in his word. For some of you, it may mean, you know, just getting to work on time. <laughs> something simple like that. Doing something that you didn't think you could do. Letting God help you. You know, let him help you. It's that day-to-day-to-day faith, that functional faith. It's the simple, simple things that bring such great change. Amen. This morning, as the musicians, they're going to come and just have a time of altar here. I just want you there in your seats. I want you to stand up. It's like Jesus told the man with the withered hand. I want you to stand up and reach out your withered hand. Whatever it may be, lift your hands up. Reach out to him. Reach out to him. Respond to him so he can restore you. Hallelujah.